Well, now Paul is about to tell us why it is so important for us to believe and to understand that we are dead to the law. Some people think that this is a mere quibble, a mere way of talking, uh, and that this is uh, simply um, uh, an intellectual bit of uh, knowledge, a uh, doctrine kind of idea, and uh, we either assent to it mentally or not. But what Paul is about to say makes us realize how vitally important believing this is. And it's verse 5 of chapter 7 of Romans. For when... Well, let's read verse 4 for connection. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit for God. And then he says this, For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. This is an astonishing verse. It's not an exception. It doesn't stand out of context. It's part of a whole context which we will explore as we go through this chapter. But what is, uh, we can start with, for instance, uh, for when we were in the flesh. What does that mean, in the flesh? Well, it means when we were just unbelievers, when we were simply natural people uh, living according to the whims and uh, desires of our human nature and not giving much of a thought to anything spiritual, not seeing ourselves as in Christ. That's being in the flesh, just following the whims uh, and the uh, inclinations of our human nature. So when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law. Well, that is quite an astonishing statement. It's uh, a, a, a phrase, actually, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law. Let's put a verb in there. The sinful passions were aroused by the law. Why is that remarkable? Because the law is supposed to, or so we think, the law is supposed to make us righteous. But here he is saying the law made us sinners. When we were unbelieving... We looked at the law as a way to control ourselves. When we were un unbelieving in the righteousness of Christ, or rather unbelieving in the atonement of Christ, to take away all judgment from us, when we simply had an attitude towards God where uh, we thought that we human beings could um, obey him and uh, walk with him, without any understanding of our death and resurrection in Jesus Christ, when we believed that, when we were without Christ, we used the law to be good people. Whether it was a religious law and custom of the church, or whether it was the Ten Commandments, or whether it was simply our conscience telling us right and wrong, we simply obeyed, or thought we did, in order to be acceptable to God. Now, that is the way of legalism. It is the way of perfectionism. 
and it produces the very opposite of what the legalist expect, uh, expects of the law. He thinks the law will keep him holy, will keep him on the right track, will slow down the sin process, will put the brakes on his lusts and uh, his addictions. But what he finds is the very opposite How do I know that? Because it says the sinful passions were aroused by the law. The law did not, in fact, put the brakes on his sinful passions. The law did not slow down his addiction. What do I mean by that? Well, the law says you must not do this. You may not do that. If you put that into your mind as a law... You may not do this, you may not do that. What you will find after a period of time is that that very command will make you angry, irritated, frustrated, and defeated. It will bring you down. It will take you right into the place where the law you thought would help you to avoid that place. This is why we can t- this is how rather we can teach the legalist. You teach the legalist and move him away from his legalism not by quoting various texts about texts about salvation by faith alone. You teach him what the effects of the law have been in his life. In other words, how's that working for you? Well, it's not working very well, is it? Because the law revises or arouses passions. Well, how does it do that? It does it by creating guilt. When we try to obey God by our will power and by discipline and rules and regulations and isolating ourselves from various situations that would stimulate sin, when we do all those things, after a certain time, the strain and stress of doing that become irritating. Yet we try harder, and the more we try the more we feel that we don't like what we're doing. We don't it doesn't feel comfortable. And the more we feel uncomfortable about what we're trying to do, the more guilty we feel that we're not able to do it. And the more guilt you feel, the more you separate from God. Because you feel he's frowning at you, that he's poking his finger at you, that he's telling you you're wrong and you're bad and you really need to change. And all of that guilt creates such a discomfort of shame and fear that we then push God away. And when we push God away, who is light and warmth and safety, we are in darkness and coldness and insecurity. And the only comfort that we then find is to sin because there's no comfort anymore in God because we've pushed him away and we're now in our lonely dark place. So, you see, 
the law produces guilt and shame and fear. The law tells you you're no good. You'll not amount to anything. What's wrong with you? You can't do anything right. And that berating of the conscience by the law is so unsettling, so unnerving, so disturbing that we sin in order to forget what the law is saying. Because, of course, sin is a distraction, isn't it? It helps us to take our mind off things and uh, to bury ourselves in uh, uh, abstraction and detachment. And that's why you do not find righteousness by the law. I think any legalist listening to what I have said any man or woman who leans on the law for righteousness will suddenly realize how mistaken he has been just hearing this last five minutes of teaching here. Let's read the verse again. When we were in the flesh, that is, when we were without faith to understand what the, right, what the atoning work of Christ has done for us, so when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. The law will only produce in you a fruitage, a result that will be deadly. Because the law creates guilt and shame and fear, or does not necessarily create it, but reveals it, and without the atoning work of Jesus to help us to realize that we're free from condemnation, that law will smash us. It will hit us and it will take us down. This is why, then, it's important to understand that we're dead to the law. And Paul's going to explain much more of it as the chapter goes on. But I want to emphasize to you that this is not just a doctrine, it is not just a theological talking point, it is not a debating point among Christians of different views, it is a life and death issue. If you have been in addiction or are in addiction now, you will recognize that there is something that goes on in your head that makes you want to do right, but you can't do it you do the very opposite of what you want to do. That is the law. And that's why we need to be freed from it. And we'll talk about what that means as we go on. But look at the next verse now. But now we have been delivered from the law. Delivered from the law. That is a phrase that a legalist would never want to hear. How can you speak of being delivered from the law? We are obedient Christians, and we, uh, we, once we have come to Christ, we learn to comply with the law. No, you don't. You need to be delivered from the law. Because the law will only set up rules for you and will only give you accusations in the mind or affirmations in the mind which tell you you are right or wrong, but it will never, never develop a relationship with Jesus and with your Heavenly Father. Now we have been delivered from the law, this is verse 6, having died to what we were held by. The law held us in its grip. 
We were felt we would were condemned if we broke the law. We felt we were saved if we obeyed the law. And yet that, salv- that perception of salvation would last only a very short time because the law would take us down again by guilt and shame and fear. But now we have been delivered from the law, having been held, having died rather, to what we were held by. Notice, died again. Not having been freed from what we were held by, but dying to it. In what sense then? Not in the sense that we no longer feel desire or feel temptation or have failure, but in the sense that we die to the law's demands upon our mind and spirit, which says obey and live or disobey and die. The law no longer has power over us because we are dead people. Not in the sense of not feeling anything, but in the sense of being counted as having been crucified with Christ at the cross. And now we are living people, living in the resurrection of Jesus that is without guilt or with, and without shame. Thank you for listening today. Colin Cook here, and you've been listening to my broadcast, How It Happens, which is now, by the way, in its 26th year of broadcasting. Thanks be to God, and thanks be to you, who, uh, as the listener, uh, sometimes rises to the occasion and says, I will support this program with my monthly donations or a one-time donation, and that would be very much appreciated. The program costs $39 per 15 minutes or $200 for a week's programs or $850 to $900 for a month's programs. If you would like to make a no- donation, you can online by going to faithquestradio.com or send your donation to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Little Colorado 80160. That's FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado 80160. Thanks so much. I'll see you next time. Cheerio and God bless.